This is this is fine. This is fine. This is, this is fine. fine. This is fine. <laughs> this is fine. This is a poor substitute for therapy, but an excellent substitute for other podcasts. We're not like other podcasts. Join us as we find the answers to the universe's biggest questions like is butter a carb? Does crying burn calories? And what the fuck am I doing with my life? We're here to be your part-time therapist, astrologer, concierge doctor, and fairy godmother. Do you need someone to validate you today? Cool, cool, cool. Come on in. We're fine. This is fine. Welcome back, glowing, glorious angels. Today we're chatting about skincare, one of my favorite things to talk about. And as a part-time beauty and skincare journalist, I have had the honor of working with some incredible names in this field, including our very, very, very special guest on today's episode. We have an absolute legend in skincare and dermatology here, Dr. Loretta Seraldo, MD, FAAD, the icon and name behind Dr. Loretta Skincare, which comprises some of my favorite, favorite products, including the most lush and silky serum, her intense replenishing serum. She also formulates products for other major brands because she's a genius, but more on products later, I promise. Dr. Loretta is a Miami-based board-certified dermatologist with over 40 years of clinical experience. She was also among the first researchers to study the effects of UVA radiation on skin at Harvard's photobiology lab in the 1970s. Truly a shining star of women in STEM. I am so honored she has joined us today on This Is Fine, literally freaking out, but I'm going to get myself all the way together real quick so we can get her on the line. Today, we are talking about skincare from a medical perspective, including building the perfect routine, sun protection, and healthy aging. Okay, Dr. Loretta, we are so excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. We start out every episode asking our guests if they're fine, if this is fine. So, Dr. Loretta, are you fine today? I am really enjoying life and very fine. Absolutely. Thank you. What a beautiful response. I love enjoying life. That's the best. I agree. So I gave listeners a brief introduction into some of your accolades, but I would love to hear about how you got into this field, what drew you to dermatology, and then we can probably get into some of your accomplishments, the things that you're most proud of. Sure. So first, my story starts quite a long time ago. In 1974, (laughs) I started medical school at a time when most, there were not very many women in medical school, but most of us who were there were definitely determined to become either pediatricians or obstetricians. And I sort of thought that's what I would do until I took, I was in medical school in New York, but I took a summer research position up at Harvard in Harvard Medical School in the dermatology department. Wow. And I got to be so turned on to the field of dermatology, uh, the first major project that I did that summer had to do with focusing on whether enough UVA from the sun reached the surface of the earth to make changes in our skin. Believe it or not, in 1975, we really weren't sure if there was enough UVA. We get a lot less UVA than UVB at the earth's surface. And, you know, sunscreens did not protect us from UVA. And uh, I was so fascinated by how much I actually sort of felt that my mind expanded. And I had just one day a week, so I was there five days a week, but one day a week, I got to spend a half a day in an actual clinic 
which was the skin cancer clinic. And at the time, Dr. Thomas Fitzpatrick was the chairman of dermatology at Harvard. And he said, oh, gee whiz, you know, you just finished your first year. You're not going to be able to really, you know, be with the patients to help with their skin cancers. He said, but let's give you a project. Let's have you interview everyone who comes in and ask them what happens to their son, their skin when they go under the sun. He said, I'll never forget it. You know, he's sort of like he was a very nice, fatherly kind of guy. And he pointed, he goes, listen, write this down. If they always burn and never tan, call them a number one. Oh. If they sometimes burn and sometimes tan, we'll call that a number two. So all summer long, we gathered that data. And then that became known as the Fitzpatrick skin typing that's used from, you know, 1975 oh to this day. So uh, I've really been extremely fortunate to be a really sort of, you know, I, I say that I sort of got to, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants. And um, the men that I worked with during that summer just paved the way for me returning to medical school and saying, I must become a dermatologist. And then uh, even, you know, fast forward a little bit, when I moved to Florida with my husband, uh, which was 1983, my husband was going to train in heart surgery at University of Miami. So I came down to University of Miami and I wanted to join the teaching staff. And we had a resident who was very uh, uninterested in rashes. And I said, gee whiz, you know, maybe you should not be in dermatology. He said, no, no, you know, this new field of cosmetic dermatology is really starting. And I already, I myself knew how to inject leg veins and do peels and all. And so he said, why don't you go to the chairman and ask if you can teach us about cosmetic dermatology? That was about around 1983. And shortly afterwards, we started to use something in the dermatology clinic that they had already been using at UM in the ophthalmology clinic, and that was Botox. Oh, wow. And so I started to teach the residents how to inject Botox. And so I've had really what I call a rich and sort of joyous history. And really, uh, a lot of the people who do know me can, you know, other fellow physicians consider me sort of a pioneer in cosmetic dermatology. Absolutely. And I know all of us listening to as well. I just love how the sun literally guided you toward dermatology, this <laughs> yes, like solar cosmic force. <laughs> right, exactly. And then I'm thinking you're chasing the sun as well, going down to Miami, like hot, mm -hmm. sunny area. And that's bringing you again into another part of skincare. What a wonderful journey. And you've seen since 1974, you know, looking back at these past mm -hmm. four decades and even your lifespan and your own personal experience, the way right. that skincare has changed both personally and in the medical field, what would you Absolutely. say, what would you say is unique about skincare today versus when you got started? Okay. I think to me, there are a few things. The first is that now it is uh, a possibility through different processes like biofermentation to make skincare ingredients that are bioidentical to what we have in abundance and healthy skin, especially all of the lipids, the phospholipids, wow. the ceramides, the linoleic, linolenic. Mm -hmm. We can actually, so, so there's been a very good progression within just the actual development of ingredients that are available to us. Okay. So that's been great. Then another thing is that sometimes medicine 
actually has paved the way, especially with a particular ingredient that I use a lot of in our Dr. Loretta line. It's an, it's an antioxidant called lipochromin. Right. And that actually comes through medical research. Okay. In the 1960s, uh, chemotherapy was starting to be used more and more. And, you know, it really helped tremendously to lower the death rate from cancers. But what happens with chemotherapy is that it causes a lot of free radical damage, which is great. It kills the cancer, but it also causes a lot of damage to many cells, even healthy cells. Right. So when chemotherapy first really came to the forefront, there were a significant number of people who maybe 10 years after they received the chemotherapy, they developed a secondary kind of cancer from all the free radical damage of the chemotherapy. Wow. So basically, in medicine, there was sort of this push. Can we maybe really develop sort of the super powerhouse antioxidant that we can make, you know, because antioxidants are the kind of molecule that can quench free radicals, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, in the lab, what they were able to develop is uh, an antioxidant that unlike any naturally occurring antioxidants, see all things like vitamin C, vitamin E, retinoids, they're very good at destroying or preventing oxygen-free radicals. But in our body, we form oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon-free radicals. So this particular molecule was synthesized in the lab and it's still, a, it's an antioxidant that, you know, I call it the powerhouse antioxidant. It's basically lipochromin. Mm-hmm. To these, to this day, it does get used with some kinds of chemotherapy to prevent all the destructive effects of chemotherapy on healthy cells. But then it became available as a topical ingredient. And, you know, to me, that also, that sort of, I have to tell you, Dominique, that I actually started to make skincare for professionals only 30 years ago. Wow. And then, yes, and just five years ago in 2018 with my two daughters, we launched the Dr. Loretta brand. But through the course of my uh, creating and formatting skincare for professionals, that's when I discovered the lipochromin. And to me, that makes a huge difference to either prevent aging changes, visible aging changes, or even sometimes reverse them. Because so much of destruction and aging of cells has to do with the free radical damage. Right. Okay, so that's the connection between like the chemotherapy effects and what a lay person who's not undergoing chemotherapy might experience is the cell death, right? And that's what we're trying to work with. Yeah, exactly. So the thing is this, chemo is bad. That's why they put so much into developing this super antioxidant lipochromin. But the sun is also very bad, right? Okay. So when we see the other, I want to sort of tell you the other thing that uh, to me is very obvious And I see that also, Dominique, because I very fortunately recently turned 70 years old. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I've never been lasered. I've never had a facelift. You know, I myself sometimes put in a little bit of filler to sort of uh, plump me up a little bit and a very little bit of Botox. But as far as my skin itself, its texture, its luminosity, all that, I depend on skincare, right? And what I realized in seeing, you know, literally sort of tens of thousands of patients in my 41 years as a board for a certified dermatologist is it's actually only the skin that is not covered by clothing, that has all the unwanted aging changes. Right. So 
you know, we dermatologists, oh, a couple of decades ago, we started to use an expression, a term, photoaging, meaning that aging changes aren't from our chronologic aging. They're really from photo damage from the sun. Right. I've expanded that in formulating. And I also recognize, and there's so much research behind this, pollution is causing a lot of unwanted changes. Mm-hmm. Irritants we use on our skin, climate issues. So, you know, I really formulate to sort of be very protective of all of these external environmental aggressors that are, quote unquote, aging our skin or just leading to the unwanted changes. Right. And I think this is such an important thing to teach people at any age. I personally didn't grow up understanding skincare. I actually just talked to my mother about this. Her mom thought that Pond's face cream back then was just marketing. Mm -hmm. So she never did skincare. And then my mom never did skincare. So I had to learn about this all on my own. And I love that now our listeners are getting to hear it directly from the source, the most expert source, that skincare really is an integral part of our health practice. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about what that might look like, how we do use skincare for this healthy prevention of photo aging and in general, just taking care of yourself. I have a small caveat because right now, I have a lot of PR product, self-purchase product. I've got mm-hmm. pre-cleanse balms and oils. I've got micellar mm-hmm. water, eye makeup remover, essences, toners, birch water, serums, masks, so many different things. I think I've got a day cream, a night cream, a neck cream, an eye cream. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I you. there's a lot. Right. So how right. much of that is, you know, that's legitimate. This is a good thing. Mm-hmm. We're doing more mm-hmm. for targeted skincare, yada, yada, yada. And how much of mm-hmm. this is like, okay, maybe we're doing a little too much. Right. So, you know, the first thing I want to tell you is I think it so depends on your skincare personality. Ooh, I love that. Each one of us has got, yes. I mean, I often will ask patients, new patients, they say, hey, bring in everything you're using. Mm -hmm. There are some women whose skin looks just great and they have maybe an arsenal of five products total. Other women may have 15 products. There's really no right or wrong answer to that. Love it. Frankly, I find that if you're, you know, very busy in your career or raising a family or whatever, and you don't have that much time, then I think that it's a big mistake to feel, for instance, that you need to have three different products to cleanse your skin. Right. (laughs) But if on the other hand, you know, you just really love it and especially if you have the time to do a lot of steps and if you don't have sensitive skin, mm-hmm. then you can uh, use more steps. I think of myself sort of as a skincare minimalist in terms of, you know, I think that even if you're someone who maybe you've been getting a lot of products, it's very important not to add on new things too quickly because I think that we can often irritate our skin. Mm -hmm. We can have one product counter to act another, you know, but I think the basics are, you know, cleansing, which you need, I believe twice a day we need to cleanse. You know, when you wake up in the morning, even if you washed all your makeup off the night before, we've had our faces in our pillowcase all night long. Pillowcases are filled with dust mites. Dust, Dust mites carry all of these particulate matter, little molecules that get into our skin and and really can do damage, right? Right. So you want to wash again in the morning. So I think we all need a cleanser twice a day. I believe that exfoliating is very important. Mm -hmm. And it's going to depend on if you're still at an age where you're getting acne, you may need to exfoliate almost every day. 
if you're at an age where maybe you're premenopausal, your skin's getting dull, maybe you're going to do it four times a week. You know, it, it really depends. That's going to be, in my opinion, that's best guided by almost you taking a bunch of pictures of yourself, see how do your pores look, do you have dullness on your skin. That's going to give you some idea. After the cleansing and exfoliating, Absolutely, you want to do something that we in formulation, we often just call it a treatment. That would be either a serum and or a moisturizer or a combination of serums. And then, of course, as a dermatologist who is, I've treated so many skin cancers, in my opinion, every morning we've got to use sunscreen. Right. So it's sort of like, you know, five steps. Of course, eye products are important, but if you know that you're someone who you know, really almost feels overwhelmed hearing that basic cleanse, exfoliate, treat, and protect with a sunscreen, then wait and add on the eye product later, right? Right. Uh, I think it's very easy to fall prey to heavy marketing, so much of with which these days is coming from influencers. Some of them absolutely know what they're talking about, but there's also a lot of misinformation so and true. a lot of really like almost uh, fear tactics, you know, oh, if you don't do this, you know, you're going to look old by the time you're 40. Right, right, right. I see so much of that, especially on TikTok and a lot of, like you're saying, fear mongering and, Mm -hmm. you know, shaming around women's age, et cetera. But then Mm -hmm. by the same token, like you said, I do see some dermatological influencers who are talking about sun protection and moisturizing and simplifying your routine. So I do mm-hmm. I do see some benefits there as well. But I loved what you brought up about skincare personality. So from what I gathered, that's like a combo of your time and how much you're willing and able to commit to the routine, your needs and your goals for your skin. Yes. And, you know, I'm going to throw in another thing that, you know, may sound very obvious, but I think a lot of times we don't think about it you really should budget yourself, right? Because, you know, some creams can cost you $300. So true. And, you know, maybe you get a sample of it or, you know, your best friend started it. But gee whiz, if you need to be repurchasing that every eight weeks Mm -hmm. and you need a whole lot of other stuff. So I think you've also got to be, all of us need to be very practical about it too. Yep. And especially if you are influenced a lot and like there's no shame in that. It's so easy to be Mm -hmm. influenced by social media and influencers and marketing and you end up with Mm -hmm. all this product. You just keep buying and buying and buying product. What you said about being very sensitive with how much you're adding in at any given time, you know, that's something I think every beauty editor and writer at some point (laughs) burns their face off or tries Mm -hmm. too many products at once. I know personally when I was about to turn 30, I used so many resurfacing and anti-aging products at once just out of a sheer panic about the concept of age and I burned my skin so badly that I couldn't even put moisture or sunscreen on. It was wow. just so sensitized. I had to use Vaseline for like a day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So oh, learn from weird. my mistakes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because you sort of had ruined your barrier. Yeah. Right? I, could, I destroyed no, the I barrier. Mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, when you talk about it, that's so accurate, fear mongering. Mm-hmm. This, this sense that we're going to look old as we age right. or that we're going to get dried out with menopause. You know, none of that is necessary if you just start to really do good maintenance with skincare. Start it today for every one of our listeners, whether you're 21 or 51, Mm -hmm. you know, really start to have a routine that you follow. I think for most of us, 
we don't leave our house without brushing our teeth, right? right. Hopefully we even floss. But, you know, it's amazing because our teeth are just dead, right? <laughs> our skin is a living organ. And yep. please, I really would encourage everyone listening to start to really take care of your skin. Uh, I have never felt, and with all of my patients too, they've experienced this. If they started to see me premenopausally, they're like astounded. Hey, I'm going through menopause, but my skin still looks great. And I say, sure, because you're maintaining it. Right. Yeah. It's all about, you know, treating it as the organ that it is. Like you said, it's a living mm-hmm. organ. It's the largest organ in our entire body. And I think reminding yourself that it's not necessarily a vanity practice so much as it is a health practice is so important. Absolutely. I want to double back a little bit and go to those ingredients you were bringing up. I do have a question from a team member from This Is Fine, our niche luxury hot girl correspondent, Caroline, has a two-part mm-hmm. question on ingredients, specifically hyaluronic acid and vitamin C. And I'm going to read the whole thing to you just because it's her question. Right. So many people talk about vitamin C and how it's unstable. And why is it sometimes $4,000 and sometimes $10 when it's ascorbic acid? And then hyaluronic mm-hmm. acid is so trendy, but it's not as hydrating as glycerin. I think the question is, is <laughs> hyaluron- hyaluronic mm-hmm. acid still valuable? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to start with the vitamin C. Perfect. And, you know, interestingly, there's a few different forms of vitamin C. Most of the research has been done on the one called L-ascorbic acid. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that it very easily oxidizes, which means it combines with water. Right. And unfortunately, a lot of times you buy it, you start to use it, and the next thing you know, it's beige, and then mm-hmm. it's brown, and then it's just not going to be as effective. So um, what, uh, like, we have a product from Dr. Loretta called the Intense Brightening Cream, mm-hmm. and we made it uh, in, I, I actually do the, all the formulating, in a formula where there is no water. So that just stays the same whitish color forever. Nice. So, you know, that's one thing. And, I, you know, I think offhand that that costs something, I think it's $70, maybe 80 So it's it's not terribly expensive, but I'm going to tell you too, if you think that your budget is better um, doing a vitamin C that costs a lot less, then go to the drugstore and look for one. Right. But, you know, just be super careful about it not oxidizing. Once it starts to turn brown, it's not going to be effective. Also, there's another form of vitamin C that's just a little more pricey called tetrahexyl decalascorbate, and that doesn't oxidize, but that's more pricey. Now, what what's so great about vitamin C? Vitamin C is not only great because it firms our skin, we need it to make new collagen, but it also is what's called photoprotective. Uh-huh. It's not a sunscreen, but it actually really uh, sort of like protects us from certain kinds of sun damage. So I do like vitamin C in the daytime. Okay. Now, they, and I think that's a very tried and true. Hyaluronic is a little bit different. Hyaluronic acid is this huge molecule. And that was a very clever question and comment because the truth is that glycerin also holds probably a little more water than hyaluronic, right? Both of those molecules, they work by absorbing many times the weight in water. Now, uh, we, with, when I've done it for professionals with hyaluronic, what I do is, I mix in another ingredient called snow mushroom Mm -hmm. that's 400 times, has a 400 times greater 
water trapping capacity than hyaluronic. Wow. I think what happened with hyaluronic is that the hyaluronic acid fillers that we inject directly into the dermis, right? Mm -hmm. The second living layer of the skin, they are effective. But hyaluronic on the skin surface uh, it's certainly not bad. I'm not saying that that you shouldn't use it, but it's not. It's really going to be a little bit more of a possibly sort of like a little bit of a plumping. Mm-hmm. But I would say look for that hyaluronic mixed in with something else. Right. Like to me, I love the snow mushroom. Mm-hmm. And as far as the price on any of them, uh, you know, I tend to just I'll be honest. With you, I sort of question when something costs, you know, $200. And in fact, over the course of time, a lot of my patients have come in as new patients, even spending $300, $350 on things. And then they switch over to our product line and they say, wow, I like it even better. It's just going to be up to you. You know, some right. women love a fancy packaging. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> maybe a gorgeous crystal looking jar or, you know, a certain color of the glass or something. If you can afford it and if you prove it helps you, mm-hmm. it's okay. But please don't get into a jam by spending too much on skincare. Right. At that point, it's psychological, not dermatological. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And it's, it feels like what you said is that with vitamin C in particular, the cheaper ones tend to oxidize more quickly. So you may be saving money up front, but then you would have to replace it because it's not as effective in a shorter period Very, of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. That Very makes sense. Good point. Okay. So like you may not necessarily be saving money. And what I'm also gathering, correct me if I'm wrong, is that these ingredients kind of work in concert with other ingredients. So the solo mm-hmm. ingredient approach may not necessarily be your best bet. Exactly. You know, the other thing I think is whatever product you're starting, it's a great idea to take some selfies really in focus, right? Right side, left side of the face and, and center. Because, you know, you really are using these things because you want to see visible improvement. It may not happen in a week, but I would say if after even two weeks you see no visible improvement at all, you know, then, you know, use it up, take the pictures again in four weeks. But when you use up a, a jar of product or a tube of product and it's been six to eight weeks and you don't see visible improvement... I recommend you try another product. Okay. That's a great, uh, I guess, metric for us to use six to eight weeks. If you don't see mm-hmm. the improvement, nothing is mm-hmm. <laughs> really working in yes. your favor. It's I mean, time to I switch. Tried, right. I try to formulate that you're going to see improvement in two weeks, but everybody's skin is different. So yes, by the time you've used it up, if there's no improvement, you know, don't just use it because you like the smell of it or because, <laughs> you know, an influencer told you it's great everyone's skin's different. Right. And again, that's psychological versus dermatological. And there's mm-hmm. no shame in wanting to appeal to your moods and emotions. But if you are, your money's on the line and your skin's on the line, it's something to consider. Absolutely. And I don't think that we should be ever shaming each other. And I'm starting to sometimes see that on social. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's a problem. This is meant to be uh, something like, beneficial, right? We're supposed to be sharing information. We're supposed to be boosting each other. Even skincare is supposed to boost your self-confidence. Exactly. And the whole practice of it in general, for me at least, feels ritualized and like I am taking care of myself and therefore is good for my mental health. So I hope people listening can find that as well, where you're taking care of your physical body, but at the same time, your mental health as well. 
Excellent. I agree. So another ingredient while we're still on the topic that you brought up is lipochromin and one more just to throw it in there Mm -hmm. that I learned about from you actually was the linoleic acid. Am I saying that correctly? Mm -hmm. Vitamin F for fat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can we talk about those two? Yes, absolutely. So lipochromin uh, is an antioxidant and it's synthetic, right? And so Mm -hmm. sometimes, oh my gosh, synthetic, it's not all natural. Well, why it's synthetic is because it was developed in the lab decades ago and to this day is still used internally to help cancer patients. And it it has two main uh, benefits, cutting edge benefits. One being that it's the only antioxidant that exists that actually will combat all types of free radicals, oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon. So in other words, that's what our body is made of. You know, our living tissue is uh, has oxygen, nitrogen, carbon in, in the cells. And when the cells get damaged, they cause these free radicals that cause all sorts of problems. But when it comes to the skin, it's a combination of can cause skin cancer and definitely unwanted aging changes, hyperpigmentation, wrinkles mm-hmm. and all. So that's a great thing. It's it's the first full spectrum, right? Like, you know, sunscreen now needs to be broad spectrum. This is a broad spectrum antioxidant, the lipochromin. And it also turns out that when they do assays for just the strength of the antioxidant, it's the strongest of all of them. So I put that in a number of our products so that pretty much when, if you're using Dr. Loretta products, you're going to be having lipochromin on your face morning and night. So that's, I love that one. The other one that I do love, and lipochromin is pretty unique to us, but linoleic and linolenic acids, just like you said, Dominique, that's called vitamin F. You can think of it like fat, right? (laughs) And basically, those are the healthy skin oils or AKA fats that, you know, if you have any young children and you see like the luminosity of their skin or, you know, a young child, you feel like almost that velvety texture. Mm -hmm. That's because... These moisture trapping oils are just sitting in plentiful amounts at the surface of our skin, the linoleic, the linolenic. By puberty, by puberty, we stop making as much. Such a bummer. So replace, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the great thing is that that's, those are through biofermentation techniques. They can recreate those exact acids. Sometimes they get extracted from naturally occurring oils. And so, um, you know, I believe that those are great things to have on our skin again 24-7. And, and you know, when you hear someone say, oh, you know, by the time you're 40 or 50 or X number of years, your skin doesn't have that vibrancy. I can tell you I'm 70 and I have beautifully vibrant skin. You do. Because, you know, <laughs> thank you. You know, it's because I really believe in it's sort of like topical vitamin application when we talk about these things. I love that. Like you're taking your vitamins, but it's on your skin. Exactly. And I can personally say, like I've tried so many products from so many different brands and the replenishing serum, the intense replenishing mm-hmm. serum is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things I've ever used. I have very dry skin and it really does like, I call it newborn baby face. Like <laughs> you get the glow back. <laughs> Right. And, you know, that's so interesting because our Dr. Loretta Intense Replenishing Serum, it has both the lipochromin 
and the linoleum. The one-two punch. (laughs) Exactly. I like how we're talking about this concept of like vitamins for your skin and then this lipochromin that works, you know, inside out. I feel like that's a nice Mm -hmm. little segue unintentionally into any advice you might have about an inside out approach to health and skincare, whether that's healthy lifestyle, diet, eating for your skin health, or just general Mm -hmm. care tips. Yes. So, you know, two things that I feel are very important. The first is getting enough sleep. Yes. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm a dermatologist, but the year before I started my residency, I needed to do an internship. And I'm I'm very good at volunteering for things. So I actually volunteered a medical internship. I volunteered for two months in intensive care. Wow. And in those days, we were on shifts of 36 hours straight, 12 hours off. And in the intensive care unit, you know, you're up all the time. And I have pictures. I was, I get, I think I was 25 years old at the time. I looked worse then than I look now. Wow. So to me, from personal experience, and I think a lot of us know if we've had a really bad night's sleep, you get up, look in the mirror, you don't really look your best, right? Right. So as much as you can, I mean, I am a great advocate of eight hours of sleep a night. And yep. so I think that's very important. The other thing is stay well hydrated. And, you know, honestly, as a doctor, what I'd say to you is it's not that it's a certain amount of water that you need to drink. Maybe one person needs eight eight glasses a day. Another person might only need six. But, you know, excuse me for saying this is a little bit crude, but Look at the color of your urine. Right, yes. That really lets us know if it's light, that means you're well hydrated. And that's a really important thing, I think, when we talk about that inside out, that glow from within. If you get dehydrated, you know, you even lose that firmness of your skin and and more of the glow. So those are two things, sleep, good hydration. The next thing is I happen to be 100% Italian and we really spend a lot of time in Italy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we are, you know, my whole family, my husband, my kids, we're very big on eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and having a diet that's rich in antioxidants. Right. And that, again, is I do believe that whole thing about the glow from within. You know, if you don't eat a diet with a lot of antioxidants, you I think you're stressing out your body. And um, so those are sort of, I think, the three key things. You know, I'm so glad you brought up that food component and being in Italy. I feel like every time I go to Italy or like the south of France, Mediterranean in general, I'm mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. heavily Italian genetically. <laughs> the, food, ah. the food there is so fresh fresh and I tend to mm-hmm. eat much more of the whole foods than I tend to in the U.S. feels a little mm-hmm. bit easier. That's like more of what they have on offer. And those fresh foods, I always come back feeling lighter. My skin looks better. I was in Italy mm-hmm. in March and mm. I sent a picture of my face to my mom and she asked me if I got filler. <laughs> wow. You see that? Great. Yeah. That shows you. I mean, a simple thing everyone listening can do is Think about having a little fruit bowl on your kitchen counter, your table, whatever, and and get fruits, you know, apples and now, well, berries and grapes, and I love pears and all, and keep it out and try to have 
I always, I try to have three fruits a day, but even if you just do two, that's a great way to get the antioxidants. Right. It's such a variety of these micronutrients and antioxidants. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it has so many different effects. You know this as a doctor, Mm -hmm. but then also your skin. Like if you're motivated by making your skin look healthy more than anything else, this is yet another call to sleep well, hydrate and eat, you know, eat the rainbow, eat these fresh whole foods. Absolutely. So let's pivot a little bit yet again back to Mm -hmm. the skincare practice itself. We've talked about, you know, influencers being influenced by marketing, maybe some things that are misinformation. Are there any myths or mistakes that you would like to clear up from social media in particular? Yeah. Well, I think speaking as a dermatologist, and I think that I'm speaking for most of us dermatologists, (laughs) I think that something that is almost bordering on a little bit uh, dangerous is that many women and men, but especially women, are now, because of social media messaging, they're fearful of many of the sunscreens on the market. Specifically, uh, the messaging on social is mostly you must use a mineral-only sunscreen. Right, which is false. And, yeah. <laughs> See, this is the thing. You know, uh, again, as someone who, you know, I, I practice in South Florida, so really we are like the skin cancer capital of the continental United States. So I see so much precancers and skin cancers mm-hmm. and stuff. And, you know, when anyone asks me, even though I have my own line of skincare, we have two different sunscreens. When a patient comes in and says, what sunscreen should I use? What I say is the answer is the one that you like, because we need to be using sunscreen every single day. Yep. Now, there was a study published where people, volunteers were made to put on a shot glass worth, so two ounces of sunscreen on their body every two hours. I believe it was for six times. And then after that amount of time, so this would be like 12 hours of sunscreen in one day, they took uh, their blood and they found that there were traces of some of the chemical sunscreen actives in the blood. Okay. But the truth is that no one puts on <laughs> Not much. 12 hours of sunscreen in a day. And what I fear is going to happen now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with mineral only sunscreen. Uh, we just launched ours. It sold out in a day at Violet Gray. It, uh, it won the Harper's Bazaar best sunscreen for sensitive skin. I am not saying the message isn't don't use mineral only, but the message is this. Many people who have more of a, a darker toned skin color, really, they cannot really use the mineral-only sunscreens. Right. And so what happens is they're now faced with what I feel is bad misinformation, mm-hmm. that if they use a regular sunscreen, they could you know, have it get into their bloodstream and cause all sorts of damage, so they better not use a regular sunscreen, chemical sunscreen, and they can only use mineral. They try mineral. They have deep cocoa-colored skin. They don't like the way it looks, so then they say, well, you know, I better not just use sunscreen, but the truth is that the UVA rays can penetrate even through a lot of melanin. So we're seeing that people who have more pigment, in my practice, I'm seeing a lot of people with more pigment who are developing precancers and cancers. Wow. Partially, it's because 
if we have a little more pigment in our skin, we can usually stand the sun a little bit more. Okay. And the UVA doesn't give us any kind of uh, discomfort, right? So we stay under the sun. The UVA penetrates really deeply. It gets into the melanocytes. It is probably the number one cause of melanomas, which are life-threatening skin cancers. So my biggest pet peeve uh, about the worst misinformation on social when it comes to skincare is that um, we should not use chemical sunscreens. Every one of us should be using a sunscreen that we feel really works for us and that we feel comfortable using at least on our faces and on our hands on a daily basis. Absolutely. Here, here. And I personally feel connected to this as someone who did have a skin cancer scare and had to have something removed. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. <laughs> I have the capacity to tan um, quite dark for, you know, my complexion actually, mm-hmm. but I have become translucent after that from avoiding Good. the sun at all costs. Now I right. have extremely low vitamin D levels where I used to have them through the roof. Mm. So my question is, is there a healthy way to get sun or a healthy way to be in the sun besides just using sunscreen? Okay. So Dominique, I'm so glad that you mentioned vitamin D because I have to tell you, every patient who comes in, I ask them to take vitamin D supplements. Oh, nice. That's what my doctor just told me to do. (laughs) Exactly. And in fact, uh, you know, I mean, I usually, many of us need 5,000 international units every day. Yeah. If you're not sure about your vitamin D level, you can ask your doctor to check it, okay? Because I do not believe that, first of all, I don't believe that we should count on getting sun for vitamin D. For right. most of us, we I happen to live in Miami Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. I could be out under the sun, you know, 12 months of the year. But for most of us, we'd still be in trouble if we just counted on summer months to make vitamin D. Right. So please, I do feel a responsibility as a dermatologist to say to people, you know, check your vitamin D level. I think we should all be taking vitamin D. A lot of stuff gets attributed to, you know, like even um, honestly, sometimes you can have worse PMS because right. you have low vitamin D levels, yep. weight cramps, all sorts of stuff. So definitely check that, but do not know. In my opinion, there is no such thing as a healthy tan. You can put on self-tanner. That's okay. fine. Uh, you know, you can put bronzer on your face and stuff like that. Um, but no, there is no such thing as healthy sun exposure, not even, certainly not from tanning beds. Okay, this is all good to know. And I feel like I'm taking this as Bible. So let's say, you. you know, I'm in Positano for the summer and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on a boat. Is my goal here two hours, like every two hours, I'm just reapplying sunscreen and I'm staying, you know, sometimes uh, in the shade. Yeah. So the thing about sun protection is it should really be three pronged. Okay. The first is trying to stay out of the direct sun between the hours of 10 and two when it's the strongest. So, you know, Positano, like, you know, honestly, I was, I just in Miami beach, Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, my kids, I have four children when they were young, when I bring them to the beach, they would always say, mommy, how come everyone else is leaving and we're coming, right? <laughs> right. So try to think about those safe sun hours. Okay. The next thing I absolutely believe in is sun protective clothing. Okay. And why I think that that's 
more foolproof than sunscreen is because places like our backs, our thighs, uh, you know, when you think about it, how many times have we gotten like little streaks of sunburn because the sunscreen (laughs) didn't go evenly on our shoulders or whatever. So I'm a big advocate of that. And again, think about your budget. Hanes sells really nice looking uh, you know, UPF 50 shirts that, you know, even absorb sweat. They have like that wick effect and they're under $20. And so, you know, you can get a bunch of those. There's maybe quote unquote more fashionable uh, UPF 50 clothing if you if you want to spend more. But really outfit yourself if you're going on vacation or you're going to a pool party or whatever. Think about UPF clothing. And then, of course, last of all, is the sunscreen. And for instance, if you're going to be on a boat, let's say, you're better off getting waterproof sunscreen. Most sunscreen that's made for like face and hands, like like mine at mm-hmm. Dr. Loretta, it's not even waterproof. So I believe in that kind of, make sure that you sort of have an activity where you're matching what your activity for the day will be with your sunscreen. So for instance, if you're going to be playing tennis outdoors in the summer, get a a sunscreen that says sweatproof. Those are usually labeled sports formula. I love it. And again, this is something that ties into keeping your skin healthy over time, right? This is healthy Mm -hmm. aging. And I know in general, this is a bit of a sensitive topic with the concept of, you know, a woman's value being directly tied to her youth, her youthful appearance. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I also personally feel, and you know, I don't know if I have the culturally defining take here, but there's independent merit in wanting to have the healthiest skin possible at any age as you age, which is a privilege. So Mm -hmm. from your perspective, I would love to just open this up to a a larger conversation. What does healthy aging mean to you and your field and to you personally? Yeah, so um, I love that question. I have to tell you that I, I really want to get the message out, especially to all of womankind, that, you know, I believe age is a gift. Yes. Uh, when people say it's just a number, no, it's a number. Yeah, I really reflect on the fact that, oh my gosh, I've had this amazing life that I've had for 70 years. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that in my attitude, in my, uh, my overall health, even in my appearance, I'm very youthful. And I think that healthy aging has a lot to do with working on your self-confidence, not when you turn 50 or 60, as a young woman, okay? Uh, A big thing that I sort of didn't go into as much, but I believe that the whole concept of the influencers, social media, all of this, so much of it is to really uh, sort of infuse this fear of aging into everyone, right? Yes, totally. And that, you know, that shouldn't happen. Uh, You know, simple things, stay healthy, right? Do things like keep physically active as much as you possibly can. You've probably heard the expression that many trainers use, sitting is the new smoking, right? Yes, totally. No, we really, yeah. Even at Dr. Loretta, we actually even have standing chairs for all of our team members. I'm standing desks (laughs) for all of our team members because I really do believe, you know, start today, no matter what your age is, 
to really almost, if you need to write it down, think of, you know, what are the three sort of really, you know, health positive things that you're doing for yourself and your daily life, you know, all that stuff for the skin, keeping well hydrated, having an antioxidant rich diet, getting enough sleep, you know, that's important. But then also physical activity. I think another really important thing and, um, you know, like I said, I do spend a good amount of time in Italy each year. And then when I come back to the States, I think that in the States and, and medicine is sort of, you know, starting to pick up on this. We have a higher uh, incidence of loneliness. Yeah. And in fact, uh, sometimes in some of the medical literature, uh, things like addiction, alcoholism, depression, they're sometimes tagged diseases of loneliness. Wow. And I think it's very important to connect with people. Uh, I just actually, Dominique, I just printed out an amazing picture of uh, two friends of mine who are at a wedding in Italy. They are still both, it's a married couple. They're both working artists to this day. They're ages 75 and 85. Wow. And yes, and they have friends, true friends in their 20s, their 50s, their 90s. And I think that's sort of another important thing too, that we really, uh, that we don't limit ourselves, right? Whether mm-hmm. you are listening and you're 20 years old and you're thinking, oh, gee whiz, I might not have anything in common with this 50-year-old. How much do you want to bet you're going to have something in common with some 50-year-olds? Or it could be, you know, I, I sometimes speak about one of my best friends who is a judge in The Hague. She just actually did double duty in two of the courts of The Hague. Wow. Uh, you know, because she was working two full-time jobs. And this year she turns 84 years old. Oh, And my she's gosh. one of the youngest people that I've ever met, right? So what I think we need to do is uh, not only sort of, you know, uh, be cheerleaders for aging well, you know, pro-aging, all this kind of thing. I think we need to really build our own self-confidence. And I'm here to tell you, as a woman of 70, you're not going to wake up at 30 or 40 or 50 and look and say, oh, gee, I, I look terrible. Things are bad. You well, you might do that if you don't start to maintain yourself, but there's nothing magic about any age, right? Today is the age where you have to start to proactively take care of yourself and to age well, whether you're listening at the age of 21 or 81. I love that so much. Thank you, because that really personally speaks to me. I know it's going to speak to a lot of other people. Like I said, I panicked about the concept of being 30 and burned off my skin barrier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right? the idea that this is such a gift and there's so many components to what healthy age means, including your social health, you know, mm-hmm. that's just such a beautiful opportunity for all of us to re-explore how we feel about the concept of age and what a gift it is. Mm-hmm. Dr. Loretta, this was such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for educating. Oh Oh my gosh, such a wonderful free resource for people to learn more about taking better care of themselves. I will leave some links in the episode description so they can find you and shop your collection. Is there anything else you want to leave us with for the day? Well, just, you know, I think I'll just say self-love is very important. It has nothing to do with selfishness. And I hope that every listener will just sort of, you know, think what are a few ways that you're going to really practice self-love? And um, and I have to say, Dominique, it's a pleasure to talk to you too. Oh, so thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs> this was you such a joy. Thank you so, so much. Have a great day, everyone. 
How fabulous is Dr. Loretta? I am obsessed with her. So you heard the woman, go get yourself some sunscreen, check to make sure your vitamin C isn't oxidized, get lots of sleep, drink some water and eat some fruit, wash your face when you wake up, and figure out what your skincare personality is. As a reminder, that's based on the time you want to commit to your routine, your needs, and your goals. To learn more about her practice or check out her skincare collection, check the show notes. I'm going to have everything hyperlinked for your convenience as per usual. We're heading into a hot, hot, hot girl summer. Thank God, because the weather in San Diego has been absolute trash. And I'm taking a little trip to Europe. So I'll see you here when I get back. Our programming should be on schedule. We don't have any gap weeks planned until July, I believe. So fear not. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever streaming platform you are currently listening on so you don't miss an episode when it comes out. If you'd like to support our program, please visit patreon.com slash thisisfinepodcast or simply send this episode to a friend who loves skincare or wants to learn more about taking care of their skin. That would be so helpful. Sending you all the metaphorical, energetic sunshine, not the kind that hurts your skin. <laughs> I'll see you soon, loves. A bien so. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of This Is Fine. I've been your host, Dominique Michelle Astorino. We're based in San Diego, recording in studio at DLI Productions in Pacific Beach with Emmy Award-winning sound designer Dan De La Isla. This is a comedy and advice podcast, but for legal reasons, this entire podcast is a joke and none of it is medical advice. To download the transcript or learn more, visit thisisfinepodcast.com. 